now say now you're tuned into the wake up and win podcast and i am your host devon pouncey we are here in sunny portland oregon it feels good to be a gangster bro what do you know (laughs) sunny portland oregon it's only a very specific time of the year where we can call this city sunny it's been the best because it's not even hot yet either. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mid seventies. Yeah. Early. It's, yeah, the you know. Yeah, are like yeah, yeah, 60. yeah, yeah, yeah. See, man, you're Oregonian. You talk about yeah. the weather. That's it's what we nice, do baby. out here. It's, it's nice, nice. Baby. I've been in the woods trekking. It's nice. It's nice. I mean, my allergies ain't ain't happy with it. I'll tell you uh-huh. that much. I I prefer. I'll be honest with you. You know, I'm a summer guy. I always we've talked about it here before. I love the summer. Um, I prefer the heat much more than I prefer these seasonal allergies in this 75-degree and sunny weather. Because, my goodness, I've seen – I mean, I've seen all kind of memes. I'm not even going to get into them right now. But the pollen this year is – is yeah, it's hitting. It's getting you? It's getting me. It's I'm getting fl- me. I've, I've been cool yeah, so far. Been... Some, every once in a while I get it these days. I think you develop allergies. But, you know, I'm, I'm good, man. I'm actually just fine in this weather. Once it's hot, I hate it. I'm going to get into, you know, a little bit of a steamy mood. I Probably oh, there'll be some moments. Hot boy, huh? There's gonna be- <laughs> hot boy summer, huh? <laughs> hey, actually, though, actually, though, I'm working on it, man. Look out for me. Spencer the Stallion, hot boy summer, huh? <laughs> All right. Steamy mood over here. Okay. Steamy, steamy wonder. What's up, dog? Steamy wonder. <laughs> all right all right yeah no i'm looking forward to it man um let's get straight into wind shares it is lit all june all july as well all summer we're going up this weekend we're doing more of the same um starting friday the second i'll be at lulu as usual lulu fridays where you hear the finest of neo soul r&b and classic hip-hop Records on Saturday. I will be back on the rooftop at Export Rooftop Bar and Lounge, downtown Portland, the Porter Hotel. Just take the elevator on up to the 16th floor and you will catch an absolute vibe, whether it be by way of what I'm spinning or you hit that patio and you get a beautiful view of the skyline of the city of downtown Portland. Um, Some of the best views in the city. I think it's the best rooftop lounge in the city that the city has to offer. Um, and and it kind of helps when you have me in there. I'm not going to lie to you. I, I turn it up a little bit in there. Then Sunday, we back at Bible Club. And, it's, and we're not going, you know, for church purposes. And I am a Christian myself. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, we ain't going for church. But you would assume that, hey, Sunday Bible Club, this must be some type of religious thing. Not quite. Not quite. And, uh, again, I'm, you know. I'm I'm a man of faith myself, but uh, I get down on the backyard patio over there where we just celebrated your birthday, by the way. And boy, was it a time. Yeah, I mean, that's the only win I got to share is that I'm here. <laughs> I'm there. You I'm made everywhere. it another year, man. <laughs> yeah, you made yeah. last week. You were 30. Yeah, now I'm 31. Now and you're you know, 31. It's nice, it's nice, dude, because I was I was just thinking today, I was like, man, I really did a number on myself in my 20s. And so far in my 30s, it's been smooth sailing. Man. Hey, I hear the 30s are the best, man. Obviously, I I, I, it's t- been I turned to 30 this sailing, year. sailing, man. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's but- good getting older, man. It's good getting older. Yeah, for sure. It's a keep blessing. Keep on living. Keep on living. It's a blessing to get older. The more, the more life Fox. you get to live, the more time you get to see, the more stuff you get to experience. I don't want to die young. I, I, I'm, I'm cool. I'll, I'll, I'll be on this earth for as long as I can be because once it's over, it's over. Yeah. 
You know what I'm saying? You're like on to the next, you know, to that, yeah, you know, that and then, it's two. over. Once it's over, it's <laughs> over. So yeah, man, it's a blessing to you know to see you turn another year older, and for everybody who just gets to wake up and see another day. Well, the best thing is, is everybody was asking me. They're like, "What did you do?" I'm like, "Dude, I got to listen to my homie spin, and he's like, seriously, one of the best DJ." And I'm not well, just I trying to, that. I appreciate you know what I'm saying? That. Like, yeah, 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 you yeah, very yeah. well could be the best DJ. I mean, I've heard other DJs, and they're not as good. And so it's just nice. That's what everybody comes away from. They're like, damn, that, you know, what you said, uh, everything you ever heard and everything you never heard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. I'm going to play everything you ever heard and everything you never heard all at the same, in the same set. Yeah. And it's going to be a vibe. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So, so I'm going to pop, I'm going to pop out for Bible Club for sure. Oh, yeah, man. You got to come pop out, man. And it's cool. Like I said, Bible Club. I- it's a great place to DJ, especially during this time of the year. And shout out to Bible Club. They got live music Thursday through Sunday every, every evening, week. every yeah. weekend. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so this week, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, they have performances at 7 p.m. They go from 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. because it's outdoors. So sound ordinance got to be done by 10 p.m. out there. I'll be there on Sunday. Sunday, I'll be playing from 3 to 6 I might have played the longest set of my life on your birthday. Yeah. I started at 3, and I didn't stop until 10, my boy. It was like a shift at FedEx, dude. Dog, it was crazy. I mean, I mean, I really, really – you talk about a sonic experience. I went – where again, I was able to spin everything you ever heard, and I was able to spin everything you never heard because I had nothing but time to do so. Um, but again, super dope spot. You got PDX sliders right next door. Um, a, a great food joint, you know what I mean? And you know, Bible Club has good food it's as well. And it's all, you know, owned by the same guy. So uh come out, support this weekend, man. Again, if you like Neo Soul and RB. Friday's your night. If you want to catch a good rooftop bar, Saturday's your night. If you just want to feel like you're vibing in the backyard on the backyard patio, Sunday's your day. And hear slaps and cuts. Slaps through and through. It's never going to not be a good set. I'll stand on that. Yeah, I'm I'm my own worst critic. Do I think some of my sets are better than others? Yeah, but for you, you'll enjoy it nonetheless so we'll vibe out man we'll rock out it's gonna be a good time i'm excited about it and uh i hope to see you all there you got any win shares for the weekend i know you're popping out at bible club sunday I, i'm just alive man i'm happy to be here bro I, I, i'm happy to be here man yeah i'm yeah, happy there's still a, i'm happy there's still a seat for me you know what i mean yeah, yeah you're, you're still rocking my <laughs> i boy. see it i'm gonna sit down i'm gonna say thank you i'll take my hat off at the table all that you are still rocking my boy well let's get into some content man because we are recording this on thursday at 4 25 p.m uh pacific time but um in about an hour, we will have tip-off, 5.30 p.m. Pacific time, right about when we finish this episode. We'll go and watch the game somewhere. We yeah. got game one of the NBA Finals. Um, let's just get straight to it, man. What's your prediction? What do you think? I mean— I'm going to say Denver in six, and, you know— I think I'm going to go the same. And that's just to get it out of the way, because I think that's the general feeling. But, man, if you ask me who I would want to see win— a title out of anybody that really played in the playoffs this year, I'd say Jimmy Butler. Nah. Just it, he is such. And I'm gonna sound like he a is hater such a I've heroic a- character for the NBA. Yeah, that's sort playoff of Jimmy. Anti, that's anti a lot of you know the traditional what a superstar looks like in the league, and 
I I think Heat culture has to give the get a tip of the hat too for sure. You know, I, I'll, Spo, I'll even I'll go as far just, as saying Spo, in my opinion, has established himself as a top ten coach of all time in NBA history. Where you rank him is up to you. Debated with your uncle at the barbecue, but mm. he's got to be somewhere in that ten at this point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> got to be somewhere in that he, ten he, at this point. Yeah, of course, because he won champ. He's even if you don't win those championships. A lot of people were talking about, oh, yeah, this is the most improbable playoff run and Jimmy Butler leading a team. But it's like, no, dude, especially in that Boston series, th- that was a team effort. For and, sure. And Spo had his guys humming. At and least in the first three games in game seven. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, they, exactly. They sp- they spun it out. Yeah, but, you yeah, know, yeah. you're going to have lulls like that. At for least sure. it happened for them now. I still yeah. think Denver's going to just – they're running – hard and their transition is great. It, transition basketball game is great. And Jokic is just going to carve everybody up like he's done the entire playoff run so far. That's but what see, I see. That's what I love about Jokic. And you kind of spoke about Jimmy being sort of like the antithesis of what you expect an NBA superstar that <laughs> is able to lead sure. a team to an NBA finals. You know, like Jimmy is, it ain't his first rodeo. He's going to his second finals. We saw him go to the finals in the bubble. This is kind of a, a prove it trip to the finals this year. He was damn close to going to the finals last year. And I've, I've said Jimmy Butler is him. Like I was somebody that was an outward non-believer in Jimmy Butler's ability to do what he's been able to do in a Miami Heat uniform, essentially. And he's shot down all of my thoughts and feelings about him, at least prior to, you know, him actually going out there and proving it on the court. Playoff Jimmy is that dude. And, yes, I do think there is something to sort of the villainish role that Jimmy Butler plays as a superstar. Anti-hero role, if you want to call that. There's something to that. But I also think that there's something to Joker, and him, the he is a hero, but it's he's not a hero because he's the freakish athlete that he's gifted in ways, you know, physically and athletically that nobody else is in the league, and it just allows him to dominate in whatever way it is. And I'm talking about guys like, you know, Kobe was physically superior in his own way. Jordan, Mike was physically superior. LeBron was physically superior. I think Steph was one of those people that you didn't deem to be that. He's obviously gotten much stronger and his conditioning is great and all of those things. But I think even Joker, yeah, he's tall and he's a big boy, but like he's slow footed. He, he barely gets off the ground. Like, but his game is just immaculate. And, and, I believe what I do appreciate about these finals is that I do think the two best players in the in the playoffs this postseason are facing off in the NBA finals. Uh, yeah, I, I think agree. that's good from a basketball purist standpoint. Sure. The ratings are going to be shit. I mean, I don't think outside of basketball purists, many people care about the storyline of Nikola Jokic facing off against Jimmy Butler in the NBA Finals. I just don't see it. But for a purist, which I consider myself to be that, I'm sure you do as well. Um, this is what you this is what you want. This is what you want for the game itself. This is what you want for young athletes to be able to see. Like it's not about who has the biggest name. It's about 
who goes out there and gets the job done night in and night out? Who's the most consistent? I think Joker has been the most consistent force in basketball, you know, definitely maybe in the last few years. Um, I think Jimmy Butler has been the most competitive player in basketball maybe in the last few years. And so when you have two guys that, again, aren't what you would deem to be or deem to have all the characteristics of a superstar, they've figured out ways just through their grit, their grind, their consistency, and sort of like the unsexy ways, if you will, to become those dudes. And now they're facing off against each other in the NBA Finals. And I think that's really dope, and I think that's really good for the game. And there's a lesson, a basketball lesson, to take away from these two dudes Mm. as the two, you know, headlining stars in the NBA Finals this year. And you don't have to be the guy that can shoot the threes from half court. You don't have to be the guy that can dunk on anybody or that can out quick and outspeed anybody and just, you know, have LeBron James-type physique, Greek freak-type physique. You can be the dude that's big and slow-footed, but you just keep pounding the pavement and keep being consistent. Eventually, you'll get your turn. You just outcompete everybody. You play harder than everybody, and along with the talent that you are, uh, you know, blessed with, and somebody like a Jimmy Butler, and you can find yourself back in the NBA Finals with a chance to win a ring. So as a purist, I love it. As just somebody who's a general fan of basketball, aside from being a purist, I don't think it's necessarily the greatest for the business of basketball as much as I do think it's good for the game of basketball. Okay, well, let me ask you this. Is there a unit in that basketball lesson that you could say would need to be taught or maybe you could say that like you should value these teams more? and put more value in franchises over superstars because I see that the Denver Nuggets and the Miami Heat are at the moment, at the moment of through these playoffs, they have been the most solid from a franchise standpoint. And both of those two superstars that, that we're talking about, Jokic and Jimmy Butler, they're like, it, it's a, there's a, there's a level of like committing and giving up a little bit of themselves to the franchise yeah. and to the team and to the coaching. And so I'm asking like, do you think that this is a potential to give more of that narrative to the teams and move I think away more, from superstar? I think more than that. I think it's to narrative. Give, narrative I think it feeds more of the more. I think there's an aspect of that. Yes. But I think for me more so what I would put even above that is everybody's damn good in this game. It's not a top-heavy league anymore. And I think the the history of basketball and the sport being so, like, dynastic, you would think that it is a top-heavy league just based on the history. But I think the game has evolved to a point where top to bottom – Anybody can give it to you on any given night. So you do need to scale back to sort of the fundamental the fundamental characteristic of controlling what you can control to give yourself the best chance to yeah. win in today's NBA. Yeah. And I think nobody does that better than Jimmy Butler and Nikola Jokic. Jokic, just from his ability to go out there and put up big numbers, and he doesn't lack in doing that night in and night out. He does it consistently. You have guys like... Joel Embiid, for example, we know what a statistician he can be. He was the MVP this year, but he has those nights where he just seems to have lapses. 
Jokic, I, not I, that dude. Yeah, see, Jokic think, doesn't really have lapses like that. And I think there's a there's a mental aspect to that in him just controlling what he can control by playing the game at his pace, being 100% confident in his ability and what it is that he can do. And then he just goes out there and gets it done. I think the same goes for Jimmy Butler. I don't think there's a player in the league that plays harder than him. I don't think that there's a player in the league more committed to going out there and winning, and that's something that you can control is your effort and your output. Whether Jimmy Butler has a bad game or not, he can live with that because he knows he's going to dog out night in and night out, and you're going to have to kill him and slay him to beat him or in, else in you'll find yourself sense. on the way to can, the Cancun, sense. for sure. You'll I, find yourself on, on the way, way to, to Cancun. Cancun. You know what I'm but, saying? So, you know, this is what I'm saying, though. I do think think that that part of that like you know commitment to um just performing night in and night out is about you know the the organization giving them the support and then that it's the relationship yeah, between I mean, it's team those sport. the superstars and the because Miami is like when you walk into that gym it's like this is Miami heat culture you know yeah. but it's like when it, when it's famously regimented the way that it is Take like the San Antonio Spurs, who to me, like a Tim Duncan is the best at this this thing that we're talking about that yeah. I think makes a champion outside of like truly dominant, intangible gifts. Yeah, gifts, right, right. And so the, he, his ability to just communicate with the front office and let people shine. And I mean, it, like I was going to say, if you look at these two franchises being as regimented as they are historically, where it's like, well, you have to play the Heat way or the Spurs way, it's like... It's funny that those are two franchises that have so many interchangeable parts and their coaches have won championships over eras, spanning eras with different pieces against different opponents. And For so sure. it's like, I really think that you can see that cream kind of rising to the top. I'm not trying to give, you know what I'm saying, a salute to the uh, an owner of an NBA team by any means. I'm yeah. just saying it's a big thing. I, I agree. Like I said, I, I, it's a team sport, so I, I totally agree with that. I just think for me, like let's take the Eastern Conference Finals, for example. It's a tie. To me, it was – I mean, even down to the votes, it was a one-vote difference between Jimmy Butler – who won the Eastern Conference Finals MVP, which is probably who you would expect because he's the star of that team, and Caleb Martin. You know exactly, what I'm saying? So exactly. it's like that's what I mean when Undrafted I say – Caleb Martin. You know what I'm saying? That's what I mean when I say the players are so good now that the gap between the production – of a guy like Jimmy Butler, who has established himself as a star in this league, a perennial all-star, so on and so forth, and an undrafted guy who could barely sniff the floor last season, and Caleb Martin, and those dudes being the two best players on the team, to me, like, that speaks to just how good the game is. And top to bottom, roster to roster, these guys are really, really, really good at basketball. Yeah, culture has something to do with it. You know, front office, organizational, teamwork, all of that has a role in it as well. But I also think that there's teams, there's been teams historically that have had great cultures but just couldn't outplay the talent that was across from them. Sure. I don't think that I don't, you, think, I don't that. think that's as common anymore in the NBA because hmm. if you don't have the culture, those and those guys across from you do, well they also probably have the talent now as well Definitely. because everybody's just that good. The game has evolved to positionless basketball and and I just think with the evolution of all of those things, it makes it to where there's not as much of a talent gap in the league anymore. So 
things like culture, things like teamwork can separate you in ways that it couldn't in the past because the talent was the just talent was just overwhelming. Right. So that that's kind of where okay. I am with it. I see. Um, and, and even with you know, as as there is a Joker, we can say. I mean, to me, outside of maybe Jimmy Butler and. I would say Devin Booker had a really great postseason. Jamal Murray might be having the best postseason from the guard position this year. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's something to the way that these guys are playing, and that that Denver team is very talented, very quite talented. frankly. You know what I'm saying? Like, very they're a very talented team, and, and, and they've, they've got, got guys that can do it. Contracts on that roster, yeah, too. And yeah, so it's they, like, they figured it out over there in Denver, man. And, and that, I got them winning in six and, as well. And that's a slept on basketball culture and basketball city in its For own sure. Right. Definitely sporting city, sports it's, city. It's definitely. overlooked of like one of these big ones, but it's that commands a lot of attention. Does the Denver sports scene? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, I just think, man, you you do need, you know, the the other things such as, again, really controlling what you can control at the highest of levels to be able to win in today's NBA, because it's no longer the day and age where you could just slap a few stars on a team together. And as long as you got a big three, you're guaranteed to win a championship. Guys are too good for that. Now. I mean, Jokic is so similar to Tim Duncan in in a lot of ways. Like, I mean, skill set wise, maybe not. Maybe he has a little bit more tools, but like and just defensively, their, Tim was a better. Defender. Oh well, yeah, of course, and that kind of balanced out. But I mean, just their nah, not really because Tim was a damn good offensive player too. No, Jokic had a better offensive package, but I, I really mean in terms of like what they're giving up to make the guys around them better to win deep in the playoffs and win championships. That's mm. what Jokic has got to prove. Well, yeah, like, he's got to win it first. And that, he's got five and, of no, them things No, now. for sure. No, 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 no. And I'm not just talking – I'm not talking about yeah. his legacy compared to his. For but sure. it's like if you want to even start there, yeah. then that's what you as a player are going to have to do because you're not going to be able to go and just – he doesn't just go and – Jump over dudes and bang out. You know what I'm yeah, saying? So like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. not Joel Embiid. Yeah. So it's like you're gonna right. have to kind of go the Tim Duncan route, I think. And I think Miami and Spo and them are gonna be able to put it to them to make him think, because they 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 don't yeah. they they like have that dog or whatever. But it's like, now nah, that's a smart basketball club over there. That For knows sure. What's up. Yeah, yeah. Spoelstra, he gets it. He figures it out. And I just, they're smart and they're disciplined in their own right. And not just because of Spultra, but it goes all the way up top to Pat Riley. You know what I'm saying? And, he's and, been and in so, 25%. You saw that graphic? I didn't see that graphic. He's, he's been in 25% of the total uh, NBA championships, either as a player, a coach, or an right. executive. That's, that ex- that's, that's him. That's crazy. He's that dude. dude. Pat Riley's that dude. But yeah, I think, I, I think we said six. And I'm, the only reason I'm saying six, because I don't, Want to disrespect the Miami Heat and say that I feel in my heart of hearts this is going to be a gentleman sweep. I, I think wanna, they're going to. Yeah, they have earned more respect. Something. They've earned more respect for me to say that I won't even associate the word sweep with them, whether it be a four zero sweep or a gentleman sweep. But I feel like four one Denver. But. Yeah. I'm gonna give Miami the benefit of the doubt, and they'll they'll get another game. Well, as the story with every playoff series, when you're the dog, you know you got to go out and steal game one. So tonight is the night. It's a big one. Like, and like Betty Wright, and I'm chilling. This is the. <laughs> I mean, I think it favors them. Aside from the fact that they're probably playing on the road in the toughest environment. You already spoke to the Denver fan base, but also the altitude in Denver as well is something that you kind of got to adjust to. But with that said, 
Denver ain't played basketball in a little while. Miami's just coming off of a seven-game series. They've got momentum. They were able to get a couple days off. And so Denver's going to have to catch rhythm a little bit because they, they swept the Lakers, so they were able to get a very significant break as they waited to see who they were their opponent would be coming out of the Eastern Conference. So it's definitely something that we've seen before where the team that has been playing against a team that has had a quite significant break, the rhythm more so favors the team that's been playing more games in recent, in recent days. So um, I'm interested to see how it'll all play out. If Denver's just going to come out smoking because they got the fan base behind them, is Miami going to kind of wear down a little bit because you're just coming off of a seven-game series? Now not only are you playing against a team with a great home court advantage with the altitude aspect, but you're just playing against a bigger team. Like like that front court is all 6'10 and above. Yeah. And they're all big guys. That, they're all long guys that run. That and run. You know what I'm saying? And, and get up and down. Miami had to gut out those wins against Boston, slowing that game down as much as they could because they couldn't let Boston get running. And so Denver, though, I mean, they're as good a transition team as anyone in the league. So yeah. I just – it's like, can you guys do it again? Can you, can you, you know, defeat the odds again? Because I, I don't know. Like this run has just been crazy. But yeah. I still, I would like to see Jimmy Butler win, even though I think Denver's going to. Yeah, I think so too. I think so too. And I, and just generally speaking, if my team's not in it, I yeah, tend to I, go yeah. west with it. I'm a west. I'm a west. I'm ah, west I side till I die, I my see boy. Yeah, I tend to go west coast. West coast hip hop. West coast. <laughs> basketball, NBA, West Coast football, Tupac is better than Biggie, you name it. I'm a West Coast guy. <laughs> so I tend to root West when in doubt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when in doubt, West side it is on mine. So, yeah, I, I'm going with Denver in that one. Um, Shannon Sharp. It has been reported that Shannon Sharp is leaving the show Undisputed. Um, the show that he has co-hosted alongside none other than Skip Bayless, um, FS1, Fox Sports 1, and Shannon agreed to a contract buyout. And I think a lot of people look at some of the tension between Shannon and Skip. And this is, Skip. you know, Shannon and Skip, they've had some tension, you know, in, in some recent months or even in recent years, if you want to extend it out that far. Um, and people might think that that ultimately led to this day coming. And I'm not saying that I don't think it played any role in it at all, because sure, it may have played a role in it. And this is all speculative on my end. But personally, I think that Shannon Sharp has elevated himself to a point where he's become bigger than that show. And I think what proves it is his podcast, Club Shay Shay, which I think has been the best podcast of 2023 so far, at least of like the urban podcast and the podcast I listen to. And I tend to be a fan of the sport, but like Club Shay Shay, I think, has shown how big of a star that Shannon Sharp has became as a TV personality, a broadcast personality beyond some of the hiccups that he's had to deal with with Skip Bayless because Skip can be out there with his commentary and 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 sometimes can just flat out get disrespectful with his commentary. I think Shannon's 
got tougher skin than that to than to leave because of that. He might disagree with it. It might be an environment that he he feels needs to get fixed or feel needed to get fixed at this rate. But to me, I don't think that takes precedence over his star became much grander because of this very show. Yeah. Than whatever little bickering him and Skip Bayless does on that show. And I think Club Shay Shay has proven that. And I think he's got nothing to lose at this point, I'm sure. You know, he's been making a lucrative bag over at Fox Sports 1, was already rich before that as a Hall of Fame football player having a Hall of Fame career. But I think he's built his platform as a media personality up enough to be able to take the independent route and thrive and not feel like he's missing out on anything or taking a significant loss because he's not on TV every day alongside Skip Bayless because I think Club Shay Shay is earning him quite a bit now at this point. Yeah, I mean, podcast subscriptions make bank. Subscribe to the Patreon, wakeupandwin.com. That's right, that's right, that's right. Uh, uh, and, um, you know, that, that sh- like I, you did say, it's that show, that platform. Like, Stephen A. Smith did the same thing off of basically yeah. the same form. And it's like, that's what it's for, you know? Uh, yeah, that's what it's for. For I, sure. And Skip Bayless... You know, I like that you said he gets flat out disrespectful because he does, and it is disrespectful. But, you know, if you look at the people that he's worked with in the past in terms of where their career started and then where they ended up through his pipeline, it doesn't appear like Skip Bayless has done anything to prevent any of these people that he's worked with from getting a ton of money. Yeah. And, and you know what I'm you know, saying? Like, so it looks like it's all working out. That's why people, you know, they try to, I saw it online. People were like, yeah, these guys hate each other. They're the final day. And it's like, no, no they don't. No. They're two rich guys that are like, yo, isn't it cool that we just made millions of dollars that, together? Yeah, for sure. That outweighs <laughs> to again, talk about, to talk about games. Yeah. That's what I said. That outweighs the bickering between the two. And I just think Shannon has literally gotten to him. So, and you, you bring up Stephen A, who also obviously still has first take worked alongside Skip Bayless. And, as a side note, this could open up the floodgates. I'm not sure if I'm not I'm not recalling if Skip. I'm just off the dome now. If Skip extended his contract with Fox Sports One, but I, I don't can't, know about that. Can't but I can say that. this: if indeed he hasn't, this could 100% open up the door for Skip Bayless to eventually leave Fox Sports One and go back on first take with Stephen A on ESPN because Stephen A has always said that that door is open to Skip because Skip was the one that brought him on the first take. So if Skip ever wanted that seat back, Stephen A feels like he damn near owes that to Skip Bayless. You know what I'm saying? Now, in Stephen A's case, I think his celebrity has gotten to a point where he's a little bigger than first take now. He's obviously now jumped into the podcast game. He's even changed the name of his podcast. It was called the No Mercy Podcast, and now it's just the Stephen A. Smith Show, which I get it. The brand, Stephen A. Smith, is far greater than No Mercy. And so, you know what I mean? Like, like, And, it's again, it's almost gotten to a point where it's bigger than first take. But Dude, if I'm Skip Bayless, if I'm his publicist, I'm going, dog, <clears throat> don't sign the contract for a second. Go hit these podcasts up. Turn baby face. See if you test the market. See if you could get some traction on your own thing. 
You know what I mean? If he just turned baby face right now and was just like, yeah, I just played the villain to make sure all of my people got paid. And I had, you know, because somebody's got to get what people don't understand about podcasting or about like that kind of format, you know, is that like it's masked very well, especially in sports. Mm -hmm. But it's like it's classic radio setup. There's there's somebody that's going to that's going to go up for the alley oop and, and dunk it. And then there's a dude that's going to stand there, and he's going to get dunked on. Yeah. That's how it works, bro. And you can do yeah. it two or three or four. It doesn't matter how many people are there. But rest assured, if they're doing it correctly, there is someone in the room that everyone knows. It's like, that's the dude that you low-key dunk on. Because you have to have that comic relief for that, you know what I'm saying, that relief sure. of tension. And so for sure, for sure. If it was me, I would turn babyface if I'm skipping. I'm going, yeah, it was all, I was messing with you guys for the last 25 years. Check my podcast out. Skip to my Lou podcast. He's Whatever. got a podcast. The Skip Bayless show or something like that. See, like Skip, we got to rebrand that. We got Skip gotta, has a podcast. Get him for out sure. of the mud. <laughs> Skip, Skip, it's a pretty boring podcast, I believe, saying. but it's he's weak. got a podcast nonetheless. It ain't Club Shay Shay. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, it's, it, we're talking about Shane Sharp here. We're talking about Shane yeah, Sharp. Here. Yeah, Let's yeah, get yeah, back yeah. To that. It ain't Club Shay. And I think so far he's had an interview of the year with the Steve Harvey episode. I still didn't check that. Phenomenal episode, Joe. But not, I mean, Steve Harvey is Steve Harvey, a mogul through and through, uh. obviously through comedy and acting. But, you know, now he's made his way into the media space. And like it's Steve Harvey we're talking about here. He's and he's been doing it for a long time. That interview that Shannon Sharp did with Steve Harvey, I would suggest everybody to go check that interview out, because I think so far to this point in the year, which is we're about halfway in now, month six. I think that's the best interview I've heard so far this year in 2023. So it's pretty good for halfway. Salute to Shannon Sharp. And and again, man, it's it's the beauty of working in mainstream media of some sort, but always still having your own independent platform. I've I've been in my own right able to leverage having worked in radio and gaining a name for myself in my own right gaining connections for sure in my own right and being able to leverage those connections right here on the wake up and win podcast. And then that allowed me to leverage myself to be able to get other jobs and other gigs and to be able to like sustain in more of a, a, a freelance space, which is essentially more so where I am as a journalist, but I've been able to do so much more. I've been able to do and, and have conversations that I'm passionate about where it feels less and less like work. I tell people all the time, radio was the funnest job I've ever had. I'm still not opposed to ever going back to radio under the right situation or under the right circumstances. But it has to be just that, the right situation and the right circumstance, not just the look or not just the opportunity. Because I love the freedom that I have being able to do the freelance work that I do, which, again, some of that was leveraged by me having had the radio show initially. And, you know, I, I've been able to make a, a way for myself for quite a long time now doing freelance work, covering intersectional topics that I like to cover, like sports and politics and being able to and then still being able to have time to DJ because I love music. And that's another side of me, you know, that that I've always wanted to be able to bring out. So all of those things, being able to work cohesively on a freelance front it's going to be hard for me to ever give that up to work for a corporation again. Right. You've got to 
come correct because this stuff is is working out for me at this point in my career. And obviously yeah, doing, there's so much room to grow. Yeah. I mean, doing like the, the Shannon Sharp route or like the Stephen A route where you start in like a mothership of sorts and then you, you know, start to <laughs> colonize the minds of other, you know, platform users. And yeah, but uh, it, it's difficult to do it the other way. You know, it's difficult to do it the other way. And I don't, I, you know, I haven't really seen anybody do it like that yet so far, like in, in a really enterprising way, you know, because when you get into any sort of media game, music or something to that art, it's like the way that the system is set up from like a broadcast standpoint, social media standpoint is like, you have to brand and, and content create and build around this. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, Almost like a rubric of sorts. Everybody's at least, I don't know if they're all doing it based on a book that someone wrote, but everyone finds one thing and then they go, oh, that's the thing that worked. And then they just beat that into the ground. And it's like, I just don't see that as something viable for longevity. Mm -hmm. But when you see people go like, okay, well, let me try to stretch out and do a bunch of different things. Like they don't have the, 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 a, the work ethic and the, and the personality, you know what I mean? And like that, like whatever thing is yeah 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 to yeah, be yeah, able yeah, to yeah. sustain that on all these fronts yeah because when you add in all of those different things at the same time everybody has the ability to watch all that stuff simultaneously you're not like smoke and mirrors anybody so if if, if everything's going at this one trajectory and one rate and one or two things start to slip or whatever then that just looks like a, the optics are they affect your entire you know i guess portfolio right you know I'm saying or brand yeah and so that's why it's a really dicey endeavor to do that. So, I mean, I commend you for doing it for sure. But, I mean, it's, it would be nice to have a Shannon Sharp level uh, of fame to be able to jump into a podcast and, like, I mean, he's probably yeah, going to yeah, win, yeah. like, I mean, yeah, I mean he's, he's probably going to win, like, awards for his podcast. A Webby or something. A Webby you know or something I mean? like yeah, that. Yeah, 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 for sure. For, for sure. sure. Yeah, he's a Hall of Fame football player. So he was able to fast track it in a little, and I'm, shit, he's, uh, he ain't a young, he ain't the youngest of dudes, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. But definitely, as far as his podcast in particular, uh, right. He was able to fast track that by being able to leverage his celebrity to A, get him the platform on Fox Sports 1, and then B, launch this podcast and really, I think, just have the culture behind him based uh -huh. on what he's presented by way of this undisputed show with Fox Sports 1 to where now he's getting a guest like Steve Harvey. He's getting a guest like Timbaland. He's getting a guest like Ricky Smiley. Like, those are... Those are big dog guests to yeah, be able to get. He sure. just had Neo on there recently. Like for a podcast, especially, again, there's one thing when you have a network that can give a guest some incentive to want to come join their platform, like a, a broadcasting partner, if you will, like the NBA. Yeah, you can get all kind of sit down one on one interviews with whoever from the NBA because this broadcast partnership is in part what's paying these athletes in the NBA. So yeah, John Morant might go sit down and do a one on one interview with Jalen Rose. You know what I'm saying? Or or, or Taylor, you know whatever the case may be. But it's like when you go into the podcast route and you just independently put it together. Like I said, I don't think many people have done it as well as Shannon Sharp, even back to I think when it really, really started to take off was when he had to sit down conversation with Deion Sanders after he left from Jackson State and went over to Colorado. But I think he's never looked back since then. And this year, I can't think of a podcast better than Club Shay Shay. That's not saying that he has the greatest podcast in the world, but just the momentum 
um, the trajectory um, and and the content that he's been able to put out in these last six months, mm. it, it, it's been top tier. What's interesting to me is that <clears throat> is how like journalistic it is at its core. Yeah, and like where he's going, the interviews he's trying to get at, the stories yeah. he wants to talk about. It's like. It's it's journalism. It's abs- it's actually, in my opinion, more journalistic than the show on Fox Sports One, which is supposed to be journalistic, and that's what's very interesting. I think that's an interesting point you you put out there because I think the debate show culture, if you will, that's supposed to be on Two these platforms. You know what I mean? It. It's 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 become more about personality, and it's kind of gone away from. It's 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 definitely been like editorialized in such a way that it's almost too much but it's like as far as just getting straight to it down to the nitty-gritty like he's he's very thorough in his research of whoever it is he brings on his show it's long form so it's not segmented and it allows him to dig he's a good interview he makes people comfortable and and that's what i love about long form content you know what i mean i know we're in the era of reels and shorts and all of those types of things, but the long for con- the long form content to me is still unmatched, especially as somebody with a journalism background, because you get all the depth, you you peel back all the layers on his show, and I think it's quite dope. I, I'm gonna have to go check out that Steve Harvey. Oh, he's the best Steve interview Harvey's I've seen like, this year, bro. He's like the Steve Harvey's like the best comedy mogul of all time. Like in terms of just the breadth of his, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's the man. Yeah, and that original Kings of Comedy is all of that's that's like still the best, like four comics in a row you could probably see in one. I mean, who would be? Who would be? Who else would be in that Uh, conversation? Prior, Prior, Chappelle, Chappelle has gotten himself there. Kevin Hart is doing. Kevin Hart. Listen, all the superstar guys do that for sure. For sure. Yeah. Now, but I'm even looking. Even looking at like. the original Kings of Comedy. I mean, I think that that that's they really worse because they were all like, yeah. Movies, I mean, Bernie TV Mac shows, obviously boom. passed away, but I, he would be a major mogul right now. Yeah, dude. I know Cedric because, the Entertainer, oh, man, DL Hughley has certainly been he's able to do a thing. lot with his platform, yeah, and he's, he's dug thing. into more politics and social issues and, now. And, and you know, Steve wasn't even the best com. You know, obviously we know Bernie Mac's the best out of those four. Yeah, for sure. For but sure. It's like even even the- Cedric was him too, though. And Cedric was funny. They yeah, all had their, they they all had, yeah. the different little thing. <laughs> I want to go watch that. Oh man, yeah, it's so the good. The original dude. Kings of Comedy. That is such a good yeah, special. Yeah, yeah, that's a great, probably the greatest comedy special ever. Dude, it very well could be. Bro. I mean, if we being honest, yeah. like like the it original actually, Kings of Comedy it actually is. Yeah, yeah. I, I, <laughs> really I don't is, think bro. I don't think there's a debate there. Um, well, again, congratulations to Shannon Sharp. Best of luck on future endeavors there. Love what you've been able to establish yourself as within the culture and beyond. Um, let's get into, you know, a little bit more of a not so great topic. Um, and obviously many of you know that I work with Street Roots and there has been a camping ban that has been proposed um, by way of Mayor Ted Wheeler. And the proposition basically wants to create a, a camping ban um, from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., so daytime camping, essentially. Um, that could ultimately lead to things such as if you obviously, you know, go against the ban or if you if you don't abide by the ban, it can lead to 
punishments as cruel as 30 days in jail. Um, you know, fines, fees, we know how all of that works against, you know, a, a group of people that are already just surviving, just trying to get through the day. Um, and so, you know, yesterday, city council had a testimony. They heard hours and hours and hours of testimony. Even some Street Roots vendors were a part of that testimony. We had a watch party at Street Roots where we allowed some of our vendors to testify virtually from the office. And we watched other people testify as well. Um, and, you know, it's just one more hurdle for people that are unhoused in community, in this community, and that are going through the crisis of houselessness because it is indeed a crisis for them to get over to eventually become housed, in my opinion, which I'm a, I'm a housing first guy. I've talked on this podcast before and I'll say it again. Like my personal belief is that living on the streets is inhabitable, which is the reason I'm a housing first guy. I get to see some of the rigors of the streets day in and day out that some of you wouldn't be able to stomach. And I see it and I experience it day in and day out, literally, just to see folks be able to survive. But while I understand the notion of wanting to stop camping, I don't understand it if the solution to stopping camping is getting people housed. But because that's not the solution, it just seems as here we go, another wrinkle and another way and another option to be able to criminalize homelessness, which for the last five years, upwards of 50 percent of people in Multnomah County that have been for have been arrested have been homeless people. Getting arrested in general is never good for anybody, regardless of social status. Like it's not a good thing to get arrested. So the fact that you find more ways to try and criminalize people that are living on the streets, that's not quite the way to help get them out of the crisis of being unhoused because now their records are, are shot and nobody wants to take a chance on them and approve them for anything because of the criminal background and the criminal history that they now have. So I just think it's a horrible idea. It's short-sighted if, if the solution to the camping isn't guaranteed getting people housed. And quite frankly, we're not quite there yet. And so it's, now it's, you just find another way to criminalize people on the streets, in my opinion. I mean, it's like, I think it just goes beyond even just criminalizing homelessness, but it like it criminalizes their individual privacy in the sense that like, okay, even if a guy doesn't have a record or someone doesn't have a record, it's like that person trying to get, I've been in a situation in my life where I've not had a house and tried to get a job and gone to interviews and stuff like that. And, yeah. and, and fortunately I had a vehicle in which I was be able to be in and do things like change my clothing, right? Shave myself, brush my teeth to have some privacy. So then I could go do things, which inevitably I got a job and the whole thing. But it's like, that's the thing that like, it really irks me the most about it is that when you're trying to like, you know, put all this policy forward and you're drafting up these large bills and these large, you know, ordinances, people don't ever consider the humanity of it because they don't have, you know, like the insight that someone like you has who works day in and day out. Yeah. But I don't know, man, for me, like that, that's kind of a weak flimsy excuse because it's like, dude, it's permeating all through the city. Every, 
Like ima- imagine if if they took every tent out right now, you would be like, "Where am I?" Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you'd yeah. be like, "Oh, yeah. I haven't I don't know what it looked I forgot what it looked like to not see all of these tents." And it's like on the surface you could think, "Oh, well that's a good thing. It makes the city look better. There's a lot of people that advocate for that addition by subtraction." But it's like but you're subtracting humanity and you're subtracting like a lot of human qualities of people's lives and existence. They live there. Yeah. You know, and it's like so you have to regardless of if you have a plan that it had, you know, a long-term solution for homelessness, I think that it still has to be injected with humanity at every step. Yeah. And and it and, and I, this is and a I humanitarian this, crisis. And I don't think it, I that's a that's the perfect way to say it. <laughs> yeah, this is this is an absolute humanitarian crisis and kicking the can down the road is just not the way to to fix it. Yeah. And I think there's been so many ways that they've attempted to do that and it's and the crisis just continues to get steeper and steeper and worse and worse. And I mean, like I said, it's like I advocate for housing. I mean, the root word is house in this, whether it is housing or houselessness. The root word is house. And if they're houseless, then they're obviously, you know, on the streets in one form or another, or even if they're couch surfing, whatever the case may be. But like they don't have a house or four walls to call their own to have that privacy if you will. So now you take away their ability to be able to camp during the daytime. And again, I think a part of the reason why we've gotten to a point why there's upwards of 50% arrest rate of people that are unhoused solely has to do with the lack of privacy. Because it's not yes, it's, all, it's big, not violent crimes majority. You know what it's I'm saying? Thing, so it's man. like a huge part of it is just the exposure like- of them to society and being unhoused and everything that they do can be seen by the masses because they're, they're more public facing than anybody. Yeah. With like those moments when you're like, man, I just got to be alone. Like you have that option. Yeah. These, there's a lot of people that don't, you know, and And then there's like women and kids, you know, there's women that, that is another thing where it's like at night, they are the most vulnerable group of people out there are women and kids, which means the best time for them to be able to rest is during the day because during the day, the business is, is more, you know, you, the spaces are more public during the day. Yeah. Spaces aren't as public at night because all the businesses are closed. The traffic slows down. There's not as many people outside. You feel a lot more comfortable in a public space during hours of operation than you do when it ain't nobody there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's just so much that I think that, you know, they were short-sighted about and didn't particularly grapple with um, because they're trying to figure out a way to end this thing and there and because the crisis has quite frankly gotten pretty out of hand it's it's a they're trying to figure out in a way yeah they're trying to figure out a way to end it and and i just don't think the solutions are viable that they're putting out there especially by way of this ban and and i don't like people need dignity to be able to be people and you get dignity from we get dignity from each other that's where you get it yeah. You get you get it from people making conscious decisions to respect your dignity, who yeah. you are as a person, your sure. privacy, your basic human rights. Yeah. And so, you know, yeah, it's just really frustrating because I mean, it's I think especially at the city level, it's like this is where this that dignity and humanity needs to be the most prevalent. Yeah. And so Yeah. Yeah. 
I, I, I don't know. I don't know what else to say. No, but I know I'm sure. not saying anything that you know. No, no, for sure. I mean, it hasn't but been said. It's I just, just felt like it, it deserved to be brought up here on this platform, you know, um, because again, obviously, I work in that space, you know, but it's just, you know, it, it's it's tough because I'm I'm the one that actually are, is is seeing and talking with these people day in and day out. And and they don't know what to do. And they're just they're almost in a way spiraling because they're mad, they're frustrated, they're angry, and they're already dealing with the worst of circumstances compared to many others in our community. And now they're just watching the the hope continues to deteriorate when things like this come up and, and there's not a viable solution for them to be able to get out of what their current circumstances are. So um yeah, that's that on that. Lastly, before we get out of here, Monty Williams just received a six-year, $78.5 million contract, which I think is the biggest coaching contract ever in NBA history by that of the Detroit Pistons. And damn it, I ain't mad at it. Get paid, black man. Get paid. For sure, but to the Detroit, but to the Detroit Pistons, you know. <laughs> Money can't buy you happiness, okay? <laughs> Money can't buy you everything, all right? So you're going to have to do a lot more than throw a big old bag of money. Congratulations, sir. He's one of the best coaches in the league, regardless sure. of the circumstances that led For him sure. to Detroit. I just I wish him all the way, the best of luck over there yeah, in Detroit. It's a tough place to win. Because that could be purgatory for, sure. for him. Yeah. Sitting on almost $80 million makes, it, makes yeah. it. If you fall that far... Take the good with the bad, that's my boy. That's a good cushion. Yeah, that's a good cushion for sure. But, no, nah, I mean, like I said, I think he'll help them out, you know, because for one, they, they ain't got culture. For we one, about they ain't got nowhere to go but up. So, for starters, like, there's almost less pressure for him in that regard than it was what he just went through, having Kevin Durant yeah, and the having pressure, the expectation, you better, you better win a championship, yeah, not that, do something. Yeah. You better win a championship yeah, I mean, really or bust. You he, know what I'm saying? And, and because and, he, and they busted him down and out because he is no longer <laughs> with that organization. They, 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 and so uh, they uncle filled him. Yeah. So to know that you have <laughs> the stability, DJ Jazzy Jeff, to, to know that you have the stability to be able to have time to grow this thing and knowing that the only way to go is up. Like to me, that that's something to be optimistic mystic about especially when you said the cushion that comes along with that is an 80 million dollar one so i i'm not mad at it if i'm him i i think this and it's unfortunate that i'm about to say what i'm about to say but i i spoke to him being a black man obviously but i think for black coaches in the nba although the league is 80 percent black we have found more stability for black coaches in the nba with the shittiest organizations in the nba that's where they have the most access to be able to get jobs as head coaches. I mean, Ime was a rarity. He had Boston, and now he has Houston. Before him, you know what I'm saying? Like, it was a black coach in Houston. Like, black coaches tend to get the shittier jobs in the league. Come to think of it, a lot of them got kicked down to crappier posts here lately. Yeah, so it's like that. that's, that's just the way that wrong. it works. So it's unfortunate that that's the way that it goes, again, especially in such a predominantly black yeah. league. But since that's the way that it is, I think for him, leaving a team that was a contender, that he's helped build up that franchise from shit to sugar alongside Devin Booker, now, because he wasn't able to get the job done and win a championship because they had a guy come over at the trade deadline, 
which to again to me speaks more as to how good the league is rather than how not good of a coach he was to be able to get that job done. Um, you know, he's now with Detroit, one of the worst organizations in basketball. Mike Brown is another example of that. We just saw him win coach of the year because of the turnaround that he was able to make with the Sacramento Kings, who was on a 16-year playoff drought and for a, a long time was being considered the worst organization in basketball. So, you know, I, I think with Monty Williams in particular, like, you know, it's unfortunate that he went from the Suns to the Pistons in that regard, looking at how things go optically and socially in the NBA when it comes to black coaches. But I'm happy he's getting a bag for it. So I hope he turns it around over there. Legend of Bagger Vance, dude. Let's go, Monty. That's, that's right. Um, Before we get out of here, I do – want to pay homage um and 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 pay my respects and send my condolences um to the family of Jackie O. Um Jackie O was the partner of very famous comedian DC Young Fly. Um she lost her life. It's been reported that she lost her life today, just a few hours after we recorded this podcast. And and you know, obviously for, we know DC Young Fly and what he means um as a black comedian and you know this being his partner and she has made a way for herself, like doing huge things in the YouTube space. Um, she's had her own YouTube channel that she's been thriving with. Obviously, you know, they got kids, they got three kids together. So you really, really feel for those poor babies. But where it, it hits a little bit home for me is she comes from where I come from. She's from the 707. She attended Fairfield High School. I attended Rodriguez High School in the city of Fairfield. Um, and so her and I have a lot of mutual friends as well. So while, yes, you know, it's all over the shade room and all over these big, big platforms because of who she was herself and what she's been able to do for herself in this life, in this lifetime, but also who her partner is and, and the celebrity he has is DC Young Fly. But for my community in the 707, her and I have had a lot of mutual friends. I mean, one of my best, best friends in the world went to Fairfield High School and is now a videographer. And he's, you know, shot videos for her YouTube channel and her baby shower and her family events and things of that sort. Um, and, and just so many other friends that that I've seen that. You know, we, we lost a community member beyond whatever status she was able to reach, you know, with, with her platform that she was able to build and grow alongside her partner. Um, so rest in peace to Jackie O. And uh, on that note, you know, it's a sad note, but we'll still leave y'all the only way that we know how. And that is to stay woke and go win. <laughs>